Hello, everybody. Welcome to Clappercast, episode 65. I'm your host, as always, Carson Tamar, joined by the lovely Alina Falls. How are you doing, Alina? I'm fine. It's been a long week and I'm really tired. I got a Peloton bike. Well, I've already had the Peloton bike, but I got a desk for my Peloton bike. And I'm just like tired all the time because I'm burning like an, an insane amount of calories. I just want to sleep all the time right now. So I got to figure out that balance. And also, I have really bad allergies today. So I may be sniffling and I'm sorry about that, but I'm alive. And you also got a new microphone. So that's fun. I'm sure everyone's hearing. Yeah. Also joined by, you know, I'm going to call him lovely today, uh, Paul Price. How are you doing, Paul? I'm all right. Um, I haven't done a festival since AFI, and I forgot that I get slightly addicted and also very annoyed. And so it's just this constant feeling of just like angst because I need to get through movies and angst because I can start something and within 10 minutes, no, I'm not going to enjoy it, but I'm already stuck doing it. Um, But I've been watching some good ones. Um, I don't think we'll talk about them this week, but we will eventually. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been good. Um, I did not see Suicide Squad in theaters, and I feel like everyone's judging me on Twitter about it. So, <laughs> well, how, why didn't you see Suicide Squad in theaters? Were you just not interested back in 2016, or like why the Suicide Squad? Oh, okay, um, sorry, you didn't clarify. You know how am I supposed okay. to know? <laughs> um, no, no, no. Um, actually, it's because my friend who. All of my movie buddies this week were weirdly busy, which I was expecting, like, not to sound like weird, but I have a lot of friends who want to see movies with me, but they always want to be the first one to go. They're like, oh, your other friends can be the second one. So, like, there's been this, like, annoying thing where it's like, I'll have four people, like, try to get me to go watch The Green Knight. And I'm like, I'm only going once, guys. <laughs> this isn't happening again. Um so I was expecting Suicide Squad to be a similar situation and no one wanted to go. They're planning for next week stuff. Um, and they were like, but you know, I'm, I'm good on Suicide Squad. <laughs> they just all wanted to watch it on HBO Max, which we'll talk about and why that may be. But uh, yeah, so I did not go to a movie for the first time since I want to say I started going back to theaters in March. It was this week. Um, the initial plan was to go see Nine Days but um, again, my friends were busy this week, so that's where oh. we're at. I mean, it was I, you know, my I don't think it was my first week not going um, since March, but it was one of the first. So, so no. say what you will about it. You, you saw you saw Free Guy. Oh, I guess I was like, wasn't that those Tuesday though? That still counts as yeah, last sure. week. Okay. The only thing you're thinking of is we saw uh, we did the podcast on Tuesday. Yeah, that's probably it. So we had we had already talked about it, but anyway. So what you are referring to though, and that is that we are covering the Fantasia Film Festival. This is our first week of coverage. So we'll be talking about that. Then we do have a couple main reviews for things that came out, and let's start over on Netflix. Um, the animated Vivo finally came out. I know a lot of people have been waiting a long time for this one. Um, it was released. It was made by Sony. Then it was delayed, delayed, delayed. Finally released by Netflix. Um, and I, I, to mixed reception, I guess, let's get into it. Um, Alina, do you want to start out possibly with Vivo? Cause I feel like you're probably the most positive on it here. Um, yeah. So, um, I wanted to watch it cause it looks like a cute little animated movie and that's pretty much all it is. It's not really anything special. It's about this Kinkajou, 
which is definitely not a kink issue, but we'll talk about that later. Um, living in like Havana, Cuba with this like old guy and they're like musical street performers. Um, and then like the old man dies and I was like really sad about that because I thought their like relationship over the first two minutes, 20 minute movie was like really, really good. Like the opening 20 minutes is solid. Um, so this old dude dies, um, but like he dies before he gets a chance to like proclaim to the love of his life, the one that got away that he like loves her. Um, and he like wrote a song for her like 50 years ago. And it's like girl went to like Florida to be a singer. She like left Cuba and that's why they didn't stay together. Um, so like this little girl and her mom come to Cuba for like this old man's funeral. Cause he's like the dad's uncle or something. And then like the King Kijio ends up going to Florida to find this like lady. And it like definitely goes downhill after like the opening bit, but like, it's fine. It's cute. And I think like children will enjoy it, but it's like not going to be a memorable movie. Yeah, I agree with that pretty much verbatim. Um, Netflix has, I think, been overall strong when it comes to animated features. I enjoyed The Mitchells and the Machines. I know other people here maybe didn't, at least one of us. Um, but I enjoyed Mitchells and the Machines. I enjoy, I tend to enjoy their animated features that they release. Um, Vivo was very in the middle for me, as you mentioned. Other than that death, which like came out of nowhere and genuinely shocked me, the rest of this just feels very, very average. It's very like half sweet sto basic story half really annoying like trend of like young people being in animated films who are just like obnoxious and annoying um with a bunch of annoying songs the animation's fine the story is fine it bothered me that the king Kaju didn't look like a king Kaju because i've i don't know if i've ever like i've talked about this on a different podcast um i were used to work at a zoo and i like worked with king Kajus and i really like king Kajus but no one ever talks about them. And then like it, they've just put a monkey in the film. And I was like, well, that's stupid. Um, and I tell you Miranda's not good. I, I do think a large issue, my biggest like negative for the film is Lin-Manuel Miranda because everything he does just sounds and feels exactly the same. And it's just, it gets so stale now. It's really getting stale. And he has another animated feature coming out this year um other than that like i really think this is very in the middle but go ahead paul i was gonna say um when i first heard the word kinkajou i thought it was some sort of slur and so i looked it up and i was like oh it's not <laughs> i was like oh i've never heard this <laughs> i was like i guess it's like a very childish like rude oh it's a whole ass animal <laughs> and that's weird because i also like used to do like zoo shit um Mine was very much less. Um, I my um, one of my best friend's brothers um, used to uh, do probably what you did, Carson. Um, and when I was a little kid, I would get like get the go and go hang out with him in the like secret areas and stuff. So like, I spent a lot of time at the Dallas Zoo and stuff. But uh, <laughs> it was very weird to be like. Uh, Oh, that's a that's an animal because it, it definitely is just a monkey. Um, the design of this is is a monkey. Uh, I was I knew this was a musical going in, but starting out with Lin Manuel Miranda's most of the entire musical, um, his most like Hamilton in the height style song at the beginning really just like grated my soul, and I was like, I don't think I'm ready for this. <laughs> I've been through this too many times. 
Um, and I, I even wrote one of my friends and I said, um, you know, we mostly agree on things. However, I think you'll really like this. I personally want to sink into the sea. <laughs> and I was, I was miserable the whole time. Uh, my friend called me midway through and I will admit I did not pause. And she was like, oh, what's the movie about? And as I was trying to describe the plot to her, she goes, okay, I, I give up. It doesn't matter. Because <laughs> when you try to like, as Alina tried, starting out with the man dying, even though that's kind of like the beginning of act two, but it does feel like the first plot because there's so many things that happen in this movie in such a crammed amount of time. And then the whole second and third act, nothing really happens, uh, is a really weird thing because that first act is just packed with plot um, to where I think most kids will get a little bored. Um, to your point about, I think it's for children. I don't see a kid being, the the death is sad. Like, like old Disney, like Bambi's mom sad, I think to little kids. Um, and then it'll just like, set them on the wrong path for that movie for a while and then after that it gets very just bland um i was i was just a little disappointed i enjoyed the casting uh except for lin-manuel who if he wasn't the main character i might have liked his character um but i think i think you know uh sprinkling him throughout is a lot better choice than what they do with him in this which is give him lead again uh, yeah I th- we definitely need to stop casting him in like main roles yeah. I've had enough oh. of him and also like we don't need to make quirky uh, we don't need this like quirky character to be the lead every single time um <laughs> it's it's the same thing we used to do a couple years back where everyone had to be a scientist now I feel like it's everyone has to be like the quirky weirdo for them to be the main character. That girl's outfit is insane. Um, you know, I was saying before the podcast started, it's like, uh, you know, a hot topic threw up all over Claire's. It's like, <laughs> it's so gross. And so like, okay, of course she's going to get picked on and be the weird outcast. She's like, <laughs> um, it's not even like a stylistic, like, oh, this is really cool. It really just feels slapdash, um, which I mean, if that's how you dress, go for it. But like, don't try to like act like she's like a trendsetter. It was garbage. Um, I was very much for those little cookie girls. Um, the Girl Scout clones were my favorite characters and I enjoyed every second with them. I also enjoyed actually the design of the snake. Um, there's a there's like a boa constrictor, I believe, python of some kind that shows up and you know, my dad is in animation and stuff. And so I like was kind of raised and like learning about 3D during the olden days and stuff. That's one of the things that is a little weird about this movie. It doesn't have a stylistic quality because the snake is very unique and uh, kind of the structured design. And then all of the humans are very bland, very uh, Sony Pictures animation, actually. Um, and it's interesting that they don't have a consistency throughout um, you know, it reminds me of that uh, movie Book of the Book of Life, Book of Death. Um, Book of Life, that, I believe. It yeah, is. in that some of the characters were really well designed, and some of them were really terrible. Um, and I think it hurts movies to like only do a little bit of stylistic, um, which I think you know uh, something like 
I want to say Klaus is the last one that I've seen that I was like, wow, that's really cool looking 3D animation. Um, but yeah. Well, the Mitchells and the Machines was similar to Klaus. Did you not at least like? I know you didn't like the movie overall. Did you not at least think the animation I was, about to, was, good I was there? actually about to say, I was actually about to say Mitchells versus the Machines versus. By the way, um, <laughs> it's a, it's a huge deal. You're just getting the title wrong. We're a movie podcast. <laughs> Crime Crime River. Um, yes, the future best uh, animated feature winner. Mitchell's versus the machines had Bro, fine designs. Luca, nope. Luca's taking that out. Don't fucking no, nope. no way. No, Those I'm gay the Pixar Italian animated boys. best pictures. No, no, that's homophobic. Pixar supremacy. That's homophobic, Alina. No, it's not. No, it's, it's not. Ho- Pixar has been reigning for too long, and they need to be taken down a peg. And I yeah. stand by that. Um, Fuck Luca. Uh- Although I could also see your, uh, speaking of gay movies, I could also see your other one uh, winning now that we're getting a little off tangent. Uh, Flea. Um, yeah, it would be cool. It'd be, I mean, it's my favorite film well, of the year, so I'd be down for it. Yeah, I've seen a couple of things that said that, that might be a surprise one. But back to Mitchell's versus the Machines. Uh, it is stylistic, but there isn't a consistency with it. Um, I, I do take back, I, I would guess I would say uh, Spider-Verse was the... Um, most recent um spider-verse is an interesting animation style and i feel like if you're doing animation it should feel like animation uh you know i was actually thinking about that movie dora the explorer uh that came out a couple years ago and i was like this could be that in terms of like how much uh the 3d animation does it doesn't really so like you could have done this as a live action with an animated monkey and been fine and that's disappointing for these kind of movies uh, really go out there if you're going to do animation because otherwise, why are you doing animation? It's more expensive for the most part. We talked about this last year when we were talking about um, Soul and Wolfwalkers and how I didn't really like, I much prefer Wolfwalkers, even though Soul is like, yes, it's very realistic and very impressive. Like Wolfwalkers has a clear like soul and identity that can't be reproduced in live action. It's just, it's infinitely more interesting when you have some style and use animation to like make something aesthetically really interesting and un you know new and fresh. So I fully agree with that. I think overall it's just um, a kind of frustrating thing that's going on with animation. Uh, same with actually, I'm getting kind of frustrated with uh, movie musicals not having great songs. And you know people always want to say, well, it's because you know we're out of the Disney Golden Age and thing. I don't agree with that. Um, I actually did this letterboxed thing uh, about Frozen 2 specifically, but I think it counts for all of these, that it sounds like all of these songs now are made to be as generic as possible with the attempt to maybe get radio play. Because um, all of these are just like, be yourself, do some things. And it's like, it doesn't really move the plot forward um, compared to like even Frozen 1, which like really each one uh, set up uh, you know, what's going on next. And that was the last one that I've really felt like I saw the songs leading to something. Um, and I feel like after Let It Go blew up, everyone just wants to have like, you know, the next big song that makes radio play. And I don't think that's how it works. I think it's a natural occurrence, but it's just kind of getting disappointing because like a song comes on and I know I can skip it a hundred percent if I wanted to, because the plot isn't going to move forward it's just going to explain what the character just explained and will explain as soon as the song ends. 
they really tried to hammer in that dance to my own drum or whatever song. I hate it. It was the worst song in the entire movie, and they played it like four fucking times. Yeah, no. Um, the the one that like really took me out was the girl singing. Um, and when she said that she used to play the violin and that's how they had to make it rhyme with whatever the next line was, I was like, Mm-mm, nope, we're not doing this. <laughs> this is like, you know, middle school, like rhyming. Um, it was, it was rough. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's harmless. Uh, I haven't had to work with the little kids that I used to work with. Um, cause the work's been slower for the mom, but um, I wouldn't be upset about putting this on um, because I feel like they could fall asleep and they wouldn't care if it, they started back up and it was 20 minutes later. Um, but which is a big difference from a lot of these other movies. Uh, I did like that it is very kid friendly as long as like the death doesn't bother them. Um, so, you know, maybe this is one of those. Oh, Compared to something like Wish Dragon, this is like high art, actually, now that I think about it. Like, uh, Wish Dragon, we literally haven't even remembered talking about when we're talking about, you know, uh, the Sony Pictures buy-off from Netflix. Um. (laughs) I remember there's another one in this entire morning. I was like, I'm not going to look it up. I'm just going to remember it, and I couldn't remember it. So there we go. Yeah, Wish Dragon. Aladdin, Aladdin the remake. Um, I do think Wish Dragon was better than Vivo, I will say, but not by like, I think they're pretty equal. Wish Wish Dragon, uh, now that we're a ways away from it, I actually did not finish. I just skipped to the end because um, I fucking knew what was going to happen. It was just you're sitting there and you're like, I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay, cool. I didn't end up watching that one because I wasn't on that podcast, but. <laughs> I didn't end up watching that one because you all told me it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it was like, mm, there's not really a point to this. Um, but yeah, Vivo's fine. I kind of wish they had stayed in like Cuba. And I know that wouldn't make sense with like the plot of the movie, but like it was so much like more fun and like visually nicer when they were in Cuba and then they go to fucking Florida. I was like, okay, fine. Like I know there's like a huge Cuban population there and whatever, and it makes sense and it's really great for um um Latinx um representation. But I was like, Havana's a way cooler. We should have just stayed here. Come on, guys. Like if they had been in like a small town in Cuba, then they had to go to like Havana to like meet this like star lady. That would have made sense too. Just saying. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, I also just thought it was just a little weird. They also have the monkey, like the, what is it? <laughs> a kinkajou. Kinkajou. It literally sounds like um, a type of like Pokemon porn. Um, <laughs> who's that pokemon king could you yeah. <laughs> and it's just got like a dildo strapped on and full gimp suit <laughs> but it's still lin <laughs> miranda let's be clear yeah. <laughs> so yeah uh you know it's just it's one of those really frustrating things it's like i feel like this movie could have been cool and to your point i think that the um parts in uh havana were more interesting um also like it's florida so it's just like you know (laughs) i've never thought of florida as like an exotic location even though like it was you know has a lot of swamps and shit it was just like when they were like we're going to beautiful florida (laughs) 
Florida is very much like March break. All the Canadians go to like Universal Studios and Disney World for like our spring break. So like that's all I know about Florida and like rednecks and alligators. Sorry to our Floridian listeners if there are any of you. I feel like also. I think it also takes away from Florida like magic that we live in California, Paul. Because it's like if you're in the Midwest, it's like well, California and Florida are like the two like summer locations, but we just like casually live next to Disneyland. So like. It's very, I think it's harder for us to see that magic because we just like casually live it, you know? Also, Florida is full of like disgusting Republicans, so that doesn't help either. So, we don't That's know. That's what I meant by rednecks. We don't know if a bunch of uh, conservatives listen to this podcast. So. I hope they do. Well, I hope they um, do. I, I don't I'm, think I, they do. I've said some really hateful things about like conservatives yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> I also have. Uh, I've definitely I, like. I will. <laughs> I will say I totally support all conservatives. Just go get vaccinated. That's my. I don't want to die. <laughs> I'll totally like be nice if we can, you know, not get a new sure. variant, the fl- the swamp variant I... or whatever nasty ass things would come out of Florida. <laughs> I don't disagree. Conservatives, I hope I hope you go. It'll get mix with some weird STD from Daytona Beach. Like, <laughs> I like how I was like, I like them, and then straight into like all my prejudices yeah. about. <laughs> Florida um yeah so that's actually what I was also thinking about the whole time was like hmm, is this pre-covid <laughs> <laughs> or is this just now they're like not wearing masks going around in the fucking swamps <laughs> you really couldn't tell it that's the scary part could be after could be before who knows did you get your yeah. Florida hate out for the episode are you good <sighs> no I really do want to go to Disneyland um, okay, you know what? I'm gonna do a little sidetrack. I know we we're, we're gonna talk about this, um, but <laughs> did you guys look at how expensive the uh, Star Wars cruise is gonna be? I didn't even know There's there was one. Yeah, so it's, it's like not it's not like legitimately a cruise, but it's a cruise ship, and so you get on, um, and it's like a hotel that's designed after like one of the uh, Star Cruisers or whatever. And it was like one of those things that like, I'm not a Star Wars nerd. I actually kind of don't like Star Wars, but I am a whore for like immersive experiences. And I was like, oh, I want to (laughs) go. And then um, I just saw the price. Yeah. Uh, Can you say it, Alina? Because my phone's not pulling it up. <laughs> um, so this article says it sounds amazing it, and it had better be for two people the experience will cost at for least two days four thousand eight hundred nine dollars or about twelve hundred per guest per night. That's wildly expensive, even by Disney World standards. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Yeah. So basically what it is is you come on and you experience like a whole story and every actor, uh, every cast member is in like performing. And they're like doing things like set around the Star Wars universe. And it's like, you get a whole story and then you get a private tour of um, the the planet, Batu. Um, it's all just very like, who's paying for this? <laughs> like it feels well. Oh, well, Extremely rich are. nerds. I know, I but would. like, I, I would once, but I don't see it being a consistent thing where you can get like people to fill up an entire yeah. hotel. Um, yeah, no, I was, agreed. I was just very disappointed because I was like, <laughs> I was ready. If it was like a thousand dollars per person for the entire experience, I would have done it in a heartbeat. Like yeah. I'd have been like, I hate Star Wars. I think it's all nerdy. 
but you know what? Like to go and pretend to be a Jedi. <laughs> no, immersive Me. experience. Well, I think Star Wars is nerdy. Twelve hundred per guest. Twelve hundred per not- night. There's two nights. You have to go two mm. nights. Okay, okay, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I almost cried at Carsland one night when it was like one a.m. and everything's neon, and it was like an incredible experience because it's just like I'm at Radiator Springs. Like I get it. <laughs> yeah, okay, it's I've like, never been to I- Disney World, yeah. so like. I would do anything to go to Disney World, honestly, because like I did go when I was three, but I don't count it because I was three years old. I don't remember any of it, except apparently I met Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse when I had like just pooped my pants. Love that. I was wearing a diaper, but that is the only like recollection I have of like Disney World at three years old. And I'm like uh, 24 now. So it's like, I gotta go. I, w- I, I would wa- do it. I want to say it was Captain Hook. But it may have been Cruella. I think it was Captain Hook, though, um, was rude to me. Or one of maybe uh, the Mad, uh, Mad Lady Hatter. Tremaine. No, maybe Lady um, Tremaine. Oh, you I've got seen it. Mad, I've I, seen the Mad no, Hatter no, no, no. make people cry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was uh, it was the Queen of Hearts. Thank you for uh, that loop-de-loop. Uh, yeah, no, it was the Queen of Hearts made fun of me as a little kid and wouldn't sign my book. And I got so sad. I was like four. And apparently, like, it ruined the trip for me. Like, I was sad for days. Um, Those Alice in Wonderland characters are fucked up. They make everyone yeah. cry. They're, I love them. They're so funny, but not for children. I do hope on the Star Wars cruise, um, I remember when Star Wars Land opened at Disney or Disneyland, and there were all these stories like, they won't tell you where the bathrooms are because they speak. Like, they're like, what's a bathroom? And you have to use all these, like, coded languages. And, of course, they didn't really do that. But, like... I do hope on the cruise it's very They certain. did for the first day. They wouldn't I feel like if a guest was like, okay, but like I'm gonna shit myself, where's the bathroom? No, 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 no. They're no, just no, gonna no. tell you where. No, 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 no. I was there on opening day, uh, because I worked it. Um, I worked as I was um doing some of the stuff for the behind the scenes kind of stuff. And like they were like, Oh, go play around, be a VIP for the day. It was the VIP day. And so I got to go like around and there were all these like YouTube stars and shit. No, when the actors were like in full on character, it was like, no, just please tell me where the bar is. And they're like, what's a bar? <laughs> like the cantina. And they're like, oh, the cantina is that way. I'm like, please. I, I really think they wouldn't on the cruise ship, but for everything. They won't. Oh, no, I think anything. I assume I assume it will be. Um, I also assume. Have you guys ever been on one of those murder mystery cruises? Or not cruises, no. but like evenings. No. Um, okay, so like it's one of those things where you go in and you all come in in different entrances and some people are uh, actors, some people aren't. So <laughs> as a kid, I went to one of these. Actually, weirdly, the night that Harry Potter came out, the final book, and so I was halfway done with it and I was at the part where Harry dies. And so I was very distraught the entire evening. Spoilers, um, but continue. Spoilers for like 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm sorry if like I spoiled Harry Potter for you. Um, oh no, I was thinking for the audience, not me, but continue. No, I know. No, I know. But like also, are you listening to a movie podcast and you've never experienced all of Harry Potter? It's just embarrassing for you. Grow um, up. Yeah. <laughs> Grow up, Doug. Um, Grow the fuck but... up. We're talking about Vivo here, okay? <laughs> yeah, okay. Up. So, okay. So, um, all I was going to say is, uh, one of the interesting things about that and what I figure this will be like too is if you go into that experience and anyone could be an actor, everyone becomes an actor. It's very cool. Um, Cause suddenly you're sitting around and you're like, 
talking to somebody and you don't realize that they're just like another person. Um, and so I like was accusing all these people of being the murderer and it was definitely just like random people also at the event. And it was like the guy on crutches was the killer. And I was like, oh, I guess I should have figured that out. <laughs> Not this girl that I thought was cute and kept going over to ask for her signature on stuff. That's um, why if you're ever at a murder mystery thing and you see someone with crutches, just kick the crutches out from under them and yeah. prove that they're an actor. <laughs> Honestly, just in general. Like if you see someone on crutches, knock them over, they might be a murderer. <laughs> Expose them. They're lying probably. So anyway, Vivo was fine. <laughs> like it's definitely like a two and a half star for me. Um, I think maybe a two. Um, I want to go rewatch some of the performances in the songs to see um, if I uh, stick with them. I did like the uh, the aging of the um, the grandparents, though. I will say that that was kind of cool—not grandparents, but like older people. I did like that they felt like yes, they have gotten older. You know, she went from like a hot young thing to like this older, like more sophisticated woman. That was kind of cool. It wasn't like she's still hot. She just got gray hair. It's like she's now an older woman. Um, so okay, who can also be hot? Let's not be like all old people are unattractive. She can. She was just. She was just. She was a lot thicker. It's like she the first time we've defended ageism on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she. She enjoyed her Florida meals. <laughs> sure. Well, on that note, uh, I feel like I need a shower. But sadly, Hollywood doesn't agree because celebrities are just not showering. It like turns out on our news for this week. Um, Alina, I know you really want to talk about the fact that like every day a new celebrity comes out and says they don't bathe and they don't shower or, or they does. don't watch their kids. And it's fucking crazy. I wanted to talk about this just because of like how fucking funny it is, honestly. Like this is not newsworthy, but like in my heart it is. <laughs> I feel like it I feel like it is because um I feel like this is the uh continuation of the fallout from the Gal Gadot video <laughs> Gal Gadot um where it was like celebrities are cringy and now it's just like it's becoming a constant thing where we're hearing more and more things that are like oh man these people really are just random rich people <laughs> Um, yeah but I don't I think like I think if you took the like I feel like the average person like if you took the population and took celebrities I feel like the average person the average in the population bathes I'm now no longer sure about that being a celebrity I don't think it's just like oh they're random like I think there's something about being a celebrity that makes it to where they're like I'm just not gonna shower I don't know like, I mean, I feel like I sometimes I go days without showering, but like people normally just call that depression. Well, okay, here's my here would be my uh question that I was thinking about. I would like to know about um theater performers and also um musicians, especially on tour. I wonder if it is something to do with like the day in, day out, like you know, uh, getting home late and all this directors, even like anything that where you're like on set all the time, like, what are the like well, bathing habits? Cause I remember well, that's like, what Brad Pitt said. I sent you like, okay. So I found yeah. this article today before we started recording of like disgusting celebrities and like Brad Pitt is like listed in it because apparently he told Eli Roth on set one time that 
he just doesn't have the time to shower because he's looking after his like six adopted children and he just uses wet wipes. I'm like, I knew Brad Pitt was disgusting. I knew he was a disgusting motherfucker. Okay, but here is my honest belief. <laughs> I think that came from Angelina. <laughs> like in the same way yeah. Roth learned from Pitt, I would say that Jolie, I mean- Cause she's insane. Like I love her, but she's insane. Yeah, I mean, her first, what was it? Her first marriage, I think, uh, was the- To Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, with the vials of blood. Yeah. And then, like, then her Oscar yeah. speech being, you don't know how much I want to kiss my brother right now. Like, <laughs> this woman does not shower. <laughs> um, if that was one of yours that you have set up for us, like, I will just tell you, she does not shower. Um, I don't think she has since her Oscar. She's keeping that stench of gold. <laughs> I mean, it could be an effective okay. way to win an Oscar. Like they want to get you on the stage. So you're just away from like you are, they are away from you. So you, you would don't have to think smell them anymore. That's why they're you like, think, it, go up, just go do the Oscars, buddy. Mm-hmm. Also, <laughs> you know, who definitely doesn't shower and I don't have confirmation of this, but Leonardo DiCaprio was also disgusting. I know it because he's brilliant at environmentalism. So I know for a fact, he doesn't do it because he doesn't give a fuck about anything and he wants to conserve water. Like, have Joaquin you heard that Phoenix. story? For true sure. walking did not either he was on my list too but like have you heard the story of like leonardo dicaprio like fucking girl's doggy while he like smokes cigars and like wears headphones and he just like doesn't give a shit he's in his own little world that man does not care about anything i guarantee you he does not shower daily it was original no it was originally um aston kutcher ashton kutcher and mila kunis who are not surprising at all no then mm-hmm. It was Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard, who somehow are less surprising. Um, I used to have the biggest crush on Kristen Bell. And then I realized that I just had a crush on Gossip Girl as a character and also <laughs> Veronica Mars. And then like her as a person has been like really cringy to me. And it's it's big like grandma vibes. It's just like something weird about her. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so she's, they announced that they don't. Um, or their children. That was where this all started, was actually like, we don't bathe our children. And then it went to, we don't bathe ourselves. Um, and then the big one, Elena, of course, was. Jake Gyllenhaal. Honestly, I did not see that one coming. Um, I don't know if you guys saw my tweet about it, but it was really funny. So you should follow me on Twitter for that. Um, yeah, that one was the one I wasn't expecting because I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal is a very like clean cut man. But you know, he is insane, so. Yeah, so then after that, uh, Chris Evans gets asked if he showers, and he's like, yes, I do. I'm very clean. Um, and That then, was an old interview that got, like, re-brought up, but yeah. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Why would you ever ask that? <laughs> and why does, he, why does he answer it so exasperated? Like <laughs> I don't know the context of it, because the clip I only saw was just him, like, insisting he yeah. showers. Doesn't it kind of feel it, like he might be hiding that he doesn't shower, though? He was so, like, strong no, on no, the no, answer. No, no, no. Captain America. No, 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 he I, does. I have Captain America shampoo, so he better shower. <laughs> Anybody who is, like, really into working out other than Zac Efron showers. Okay. Like, yeah, if I they agree. have, like, a nice body, they shower. Like, The Rock. The Rock insisted. He showers three um, times a day. The Rock has a schedule. Okay. He has different temperatures for mm-hmm. each shower. He, you know, he's on top of it. That felt very um, Mark Wahlberg. Was it Mark Wahlberg or was it uh, Chris Hemsworth? Maybe both. It was Mark Wahlberg for sure, at least. Yeah. 
Okay, and Chris Hemsworth, I think, does it as well. That have like these weird schedules that make you just like this is like undiagnosed OCD. This isn't like cutesy. <laughs> like, please see a therapist. Um, but uh, yeah, so give us these ten. Okay, yeah. So I did create a list of ten. We're just gonna go through them and say, do you think they shower or not? Um, some might be easy. Might some might be more difficult. Number one, John Cena. He showers. He's a clean man. I know it. He's so serious and clean cut. I used to watch the shit out of Total Divas and Total Bellas when he used to like be in a like long-term relationship with Nikki Bella. He's a clean man. Guarantee it. Okay. I, I agree. He showers. I'm going to say he's one of those who would change before showering. Like say he was on set all day, had to go to a dinner. I don't think he would shower before, but I do think he like would make a point to later. No, he definitely would before dinner because whenever he took Nikki out for dinner, he was in like full-on suits. He never yeah, wore like anything casual. He no, always wore suits. No, I know. I bet. I bet he puts on the suit, but I bet it. I just no. see him like taking a. Uh, taking no, a he would definitely would shower because he has short hair. It would take him like five minutes. He does quick showers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Basically, he know just him. Jumped, he jumps in the water and he's like, "I'm clean now. I'm John Cena." No, no, no. He uses soap too. I know John Cena. <laughs> like in my heart, spiritually, I know him. Okay, You're well, wrong. well, completely. <laughs> <laughs> Alina's very certain that John Cena showers for sure. There's no question in her mind. Okay, number two, Army Hammer. No. Yeah, I say in no blood. too. He's disgusting. <laughs> I feel even worse uh, if he doesn't for the child that was like literally eating his foot. Cause that's no, it was gross to begin with, but now it's even worse. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say he does shower, but I'm gonna stick with the same of John Cena. But actually I'm gonna say that he probably doesn't even shower before the next day of work. But I don't think it goes like until he stinks. I just think it's a little bit more uh loose. Um and now he has plenty of time to shower all the time. So, you know, and showers yeah. hide your tears. Well, he has a lot of time. Our next one doesn't have a lot of time, it seems. Lynn Manuel Miranda. Does Lynn no. shower? No. Not, not Have you every seen his day. hair? Yeah, he does not every day. Yeah. I feel he like made... he's one of those people who wants oh. to like have the natural oils in his hair. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. He does a face regime, but does not shower. <laughs> like he's the type to like wash his face and everything. And there's just like underneath it, just grease everywhere else. Uh, what about David Harper? I'm going to say no. No. Okay. I think that that's just because he's a fat man and we're just like judging him. I think no, no, like no. I'm fat. not judging him. I think he, he would probably have like a nice like manly musk. No, no, no. See, he also I isn't think, even I, like fat. Let's be clear. Like, he's no, he's bigger, got, he's, but... he's got, um, he's got body image issues. And I feel like body image issued people like to take care of themselves to not be the fat smelly guy. So that's my theory. That's fair. Um, uh, because I, I bet you it would make him very uncomfortable to be the, because he talks about constantly that he doesn't like being the fat guy. And that's why, like, you know, he gets upset when all the roles ask him to be the fat I don't guy. Think he's and... fat. Moving on <laughs> halfway through, uh, Lakeith Stanfield. He showers. I feel like he does it based on the role. If his character doesn't mm -hmm. shower, he doesn't shower. That he's makes sense. He's a method actor. Yeah, I think he's, I I think he's method to a point. What about Steve O from Jackass? No. Very clean. And I, I think so too. No, no, no. <laughs> no. I think he's I think no. he's very clean. I think all of that is such like fake. I put him as in the same category as like Seth MacFarlane. Um, okay. in well, that 
well in that like they come off as one type but like in private world i bet they're like very different um maybe but like the reason why i don't think steve-o showers regularly is because he comes off as like a very hippie type like okay i, I feel like I he does but like irregularly i feel like his would be a conserved water justification also i could see that he like had a really big vegan phase at one point that's a Remember really when good he did point. that like sea world joint that's what i'm saying uh, i'll allow it but i would not be surprised if he was like very very clean like the yeah. cleanest okay. of the people we've listed so far I, I feel know. like once you've been drenched in horse semen or whatever you had to do, that's like, fair. Uh, I don't know. You're, you I, like I just become a. You just become out of a all of the person. ones. I feel like Stevo is definitely an either or. But if you yeah. are like okay with getting dunked into horse semen, also like wouldn't that kind of be like, well, you can't really claim you're like super clean if you do that. I don't know. That's like, but I feel like that's like. Um, the nannies and stuff who have to like deal with children's shit and then like immediately or like i've got to go clean for 1200 hours let's be clear back in the day before he got clean he definitely didn't shower now that he has his hippie oh that's face, i'm thinking maybe he, yeah who's next okay alina's favorite gal gadot we oh, know yeah, she, does. she has very interesting um, opinions but we think she showers yeah oh yeah purely because of like the army i feel like you have to be like you have like a strict like they make you shower at like 7 a.m every morning you know what i mean she she's clean for sure what about adam yeah. driver no have you seen that man's hair no <laughs> i have to abstain um because i worked with him and Ooh. i know the answer to this question and... wait can you oh. tell us and carson cut it out yeah Okay, we have two more. Speaking of being on set, Quentin Tarantino. Do you think the director, that man showers? Like ever? No. Like, do I think he's ever been underwater of any kind? No. Um, I don't know. I feel like not every day. I feel like he would have to at points, but I don't know. I like Tarantino, so I don't want to slander the man, but like, honestly, he probably does not have great hygiene uh, hygiene habits. See, I feel like you would expect him not to, but I feel like he does. I feel like he, he does, does like disgust. No, no, no. I don't think so. I think he likes gross stuff because, like, he's like a foot guy, but like, he, we know he likes like gross feet. Have yeah, I but told he doesn't you about- like his own Wait. feet. He like Wait, I'm so? he doesn't want other people to share. I- Maybe have I told you about why foot fetishes happen? It's super interesting. Yes. Okay, I don't think I've told it on the podcast though. Um, so. <laughs> where your uh genitals are in like your brain like if you cut your brain in half like where the genitals are and where your feet are are so close and there are these little dangling things and it's so easy for them like when you're younger for them to just tap each other and so like they're like wrapped together and so it's just it's how that particular fetish is created they were talking about that that's why it's the number one is it's just so close like foot and leg is right next to um, I think foot, leg, and ass is all next to um, where your genitals are. Um, and then the foot fetish like, is really that common. Yeah, it's the most common fetish. Like they must by... hide it, thanks. I've not met a guy I that has a feel... foot fetish, and I have been with many a man. But I think I think that that it also gets added into leg and ass fetishes. So you're like, mm-hmm. oh, that girl's got a fat ass, but you're also like, but I like those toes. Um, but like, it's easier to say like, you know, oh, I like, I'm a leg man. 
um, that kind of shit. But I think that's it's true. All, like thigh you know, guys are really taking off on TikTok right now. Yeah, um, I think it's all the same thing. Um, interesting. Very also, interesting. I'm so sad that Quentin Tarantino, like, <laughs> you can't have a conversation without immediately going to feet. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's that he doesn't admit it and then also, yeah. like, trolls us. Um, really, just, like, if he was, like, yeah, no, I think feet are great. Because he could give I a saw a very- TikTok a couple... Wait, wait, I need to say this before I forget. I saw a TikTok a couple months ago of this, like, girl getting, like, Tarantino's autograph, and she fucking asked him to sign her foot. He Which didn't. Which is amazing. But- um, that's and then she asked, she asked him to rate it and he was like i'm not gonna rate it but it's nice it, yeah i thought he said it's a 10 I think if it i think if it wasn't being filmed he would have done it yeah i love that if i remember the girl tarantino, was wearing a hijab and i was like girl you're not supposed to let men touch you but if it was tarantino saying my foot i would too just because it's funny like it would have been iconic um okay who's the last person the last one is our king jared leto no he does not shower. Okay. I don't think on the Cult Island they probably get showers. Okay, so I here's agree. here's my. I know you guys like Jared Leto and think he's a big weirdo, but I don't think he's actually that weird. I think he's very clean and normal, and <laughs> I feel like I he, don't like, think he is. I don't know how you can like, say he's normal. I feel like he's so weird that like. No, the thing he's is, weird. No, like, the thing is, you would not be remember- that weird for the sake of being weird. Do you remember like weird kids in your high school, um, Carson, which I guess is in a couple years for you. Um, but, <laughs> uh, do you remember like when you would have like the weird kids in your high school and then you'd have the performative weird, I feel like he's so performative and like, actually he's like just a spoiled little rich kid, which he is. Um, I mean, maybe during his cult periods, he like doesn't shower for again, performative reasons. But I just feel like he's just like attention seeker. That's my that's my vibe. Fair enough. Well, there are our predictions. Luckily, in the coming weeks, I think we'll probably get confirmation or you know on either side from multiple of these people, considering it's all people in Hollywood are talking about. Apparently, I love how like we the, now have conversations about their hygiene. But... The best part is because we're not going to find. This is all leading up to the water wars. Oh, water see, 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 see. Whatever. I think I think it's uh, <laughs> my conspiracy theory is it's taking away from whether or not people are vaccinated. And so we're not going to ask famous people if they're vaccinated. We're just going to ask if they shower. And most people are going to be like, yeah, I shower. And you'd be like, cool. They also got vaccinated. <laughs> I'm very pro-vax this particular episode, but I also just don't want to die of a variant. <laughs> I don't think you have to justify yourself being pro-vax in the middle of a global pandemic. I feel like if you're anti-vax, like you're a fucking moron, but. Johnson and Johnson is fine. (laughs) You know, over, over nothing, I guess it will work, you know? And before we go any further, let's hear a word about the sponsor for today's episode. Well, speaking of Canada, why don't we head up north for the Fantasia Film Festival? Uh, This is me and Alina's second time covering the festival. Pauls, this is your first. Um, And throughout the festival, which is the next four weeks, we're going to be bringing you reviews, podcast segments about the films we see there. And we have three films we're talking about this week. Um, Let's go ahead and start off with the animated Hayop Ka. Um, It's an animated film about this very, uh, let's just say a horny cat. It's an animated film who has this really loving boyfriend who's a dog. But then she meets this bad boy wolf and she doesn't know what she wants. Um, I thought he was a husky. Husky wolf. definitely a husky. Husky. Well, I'm looking at the picture. It's animated. You know, doesn't necessarily make the breed clear. An animated husky. (laughs) 
Well, <laughs> it's an animated dog, a, a predator dog. Canine. A canine. There we go. Um, and she doesn't know what she wants. And they have a lot of drama. And it gets kind of lost. I'll just start out quickly. Um, I, it gets lost, rather lost quickly, considering it is attempting to be a parody of the modern like soap opera genre. So it's all very dramatic. It's all very over the top. But at the same time, um, it wants to be this really kind of like heartfelt drama about like this young woman just trying to find her place and find out what love is. Um, I think it's fine. I have no like issues with the film really that large. Um, I don't think it's a masterpiece though. What did you guys think about the horny cat film? Do you want to go first, Paul, or do you want me to go first? Oh no, I was just gonna say I've seen Bojack Horseman. So the <laughs> the like the hook of this I've already seen. And so I needed something more. And it was literally just it, it felt like it could be in the same world, except humans aren't here. Um, other than that, it just is Bojack Horseman. Um and like a very like obvious ripoff. But like so much worse than Bojack Horseman, both in comedy and emotion. Let's be very clear. Yeah, it was like the last season of Bojack Horseman, just like in movie length. <laughs> yeah, well, it's specifically supposed to be based on like Filipino um, telenovelas, which I have not seen any of those because I'm not Filipino at all. Um, but like, I liked that the film opened with like them explaining all of that stuff because I feel like I liked it better, like knowing um specifically what it was like supposed to like be based on I feel like if I had no context to this I would have like hated it but like it was tolerable I had fun with it there was like some parts that made me wildly uncomfortable like some of the sex scenes in it are just like ew because they're like animals and then like the husky and has like eight nipples I was like I can't like this is too much for me um but like I appreciated what they were going for and like, it's fine. It was fine. Yeah. I mean, uh, overall, I just feel like this had promise. Um, I feel like, and I usually don't say this on this kind of stuff, but um, it might be better like with a dub over a sub because I didn't find the cast particularly like incredible. They were just, they were okay. Um, but I think you could take this exact same story and put some really good voice actors over it. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm going to say I would prefer the dub that doesn't exist. Um, not a Netflix dub though. Netflix dubs are the worst, which I know it's owned by Netflix. So I don't know if it has international distribution. I believe that's only locally where it was produced. Um, ne yeah, Netflix dubs suck, though. I hope Netflix does not touch this when it comes to the dub. I try to watch a complete side point. I'm watching Elite, and I was like, oh, I'm going to switch over to the dub because that's how I watched Money Heist, but it was fucking atrocious, so I couldn't. Um, no, this is like, I, I, do, I will say I like the animation. I, I don't think it's anything like spectacular or amazing. I think the animation looks fine, though. It's quite stylized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I... I'm from a slightly different, I guess I'm the, uh, Elena and I are the only millennials. Um, <laughs> I'm millennial Gen Z cusp, actually. Apparently I fall into both. Cool. <laughs> that on your Tinder profile. Um, no. But uh, no, I was going to say, it reminds me of like 2002, 2003, like flash animation. Um, Hallmark used to have this like bunny and rabbit um, 
bunny and cat. I don't remember what they were. Um, but they used to have these little like greeting card things. And it gave me that same vibe. Um, that's just like made on the cheap. But I think this like actually took a lot of artistry, which is sad because it ultimately does feel like old flash animation. I mean, I think it looks better than that. I think you're underselling it a bit here. Like I get, I get the base level, but it looks good. Like it looks. Oh no, these didn't movement, look. These so. didn't look. These didn't look bad either. It's just, it just, it feels like a dated style. I guess I should say. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like fresh. It feels um, like refried beans. If refried beans were an animation style. <laughs> No, I feel like the thing for me is I didn't just I didn't like the main character. I didn't like Nympha. Um, and I thought she was gonna be like really relatable, but she just comes across as like such a bitch. Um, because like she has a nice boyfriend and she goes and like cheats on him with this like rich ass husky. And I was like, Well, Roger didn't do anything wrong. You could at least like break up with him first, but she's like just flipping back and forth between them. It's like a whole thing um and she's just like she's just mean she's just like a really mean character and I feel like they didn't really give her like many redeeming qualities which I think you need for like a lead character in like um some sort of like romance because like you're you're, she's the main character you should be like rooting for her in like genres like this but I just was like you don't deserve to be with either of them girl yeah, it was interesting that it continued to focus on her when she had made decisions that were negatives consistently. Um, mm-hmm. Also, the uh, Hallmark characters were called Hoops and Yo-Yo, and they were a big part of my grandma and I's relationship. Just looked them up. You should, too. They were great. I would like them to bring be brought back. <laughs> I recognize them. Yeah, they're cute. Well, the next movie we're talking about from Fantasia this week is Baby Money. Alina, this was your pick for this week. Do you want to introduce this one? Yeah, I watched this one on like the first day that I watched the festival. So like July 28th, which is like 10 days ago now. Um, But I really enjoyed it. And it is kind of like basic but it's really fun. It's about this um, girl and she like gets pregnant um, and her boyfriend is a criminal and they're like poor. Um, so like the boyfriend and some of his like criminal friends, like they're like petty criminals, try and go and like rob this house and like everything just turns to like absolute fucking shit. Um and it just like keeps like escalating and escalating from there and I feel like the film did like a really good job with like building tension and suspense and all those things and I really liked um how women were portrayed in this movie like I felt very like not like girl boss because that has like a negative connotation but I was like this is like really fun like girl power and I I really enjoyed it it was solid I'm glad you liked it <laughs> uh it it was fine. I liked the first act a lot more than the last two acts. Um there mm-hmm. was like a stagnation overall uh once they got to the um the nurse's house that I wish I just wish that they had done something to spread that out more because once they got to the house I was like with a lot of home invasion movies I always feel like there's only two ways this can go. 
and it always does it's either or and i was just ready for a twist and i felt like there wasn't that many twists um and everything not to spoil like the end but like everything kind of wraps up in a bow and i was like okay sure but um as a i think this would have been better in theaters than watching over you know a screener and this also to be fair was my 10th i think fantasia movie in a row and so like um i was a little <laughs> burnt out by then so if something wasn't catching my attention as quick as a movie normally is allowed to catch um i was a little bored but carson what do you think yeah, no, I actually like this film quite a bit. I think I'm definitely probably in the middle. I don't think it's anything revolutionary that for sure, but like, you know what? As a little thriller, it's good. As a little crime film, it's good. The characters are likable. I think it's weirdly a bit too long for how simplistic it is. It's not necessarily long. I think it's only like an hour 20, but it does feel like this probably should have been like an hour 10, an hour five, maybe like one of those shorter overall features. Probably would work better in theaters. I will say like though it is at least like an actual film and this is not like a to shit on Fantasia or anything but like there are plenty of movies that come out of Fantasia that just don't feel like real movies like they just lack that cinematic quality and that cinematic element not necessarily that means like they're even bad but like they just don't feel like a film and this one does like I'll give you that like I would like to try this again in the theater I just think it's a little too basic for its own good and it probably needed some deeper character element, some deeper dynamic, some deeper twist maybe or something just to like really elevate it more. But like I enjoyed it. I thought this is probably one of my favorites from the festival so far that I've seen. So I'm happy I watched it. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I, yeah. And to say like, it wasn't like a movie I disliked. I just felt like, once it hit the point where they were in the house, none of those characters, um, there's a like certain amount of plot armor that I felt for uh, the two people that are uh, dealing with the uh, infiltration of their house. And I was like, nothing's happening to either of these people. So <laughs> um, there's a lack of fear. Um, if they had done something really shocking, then I think it really added a third character and taken them out or something like that just add like an additional tension um mm -hmm. but i didn't dislike it overall i think the lead i was thinking about about halfway through i was like the lead actress in this is really someone that i could see getting a role out of this and really doing something special because i think she has a star quality that's really nice so overall like that's what i would pull from this movie is just she's great but yeah, it was it was like a a fine thriller. Um, my friends and I do terrible movie Tuesdays, and if I put this on, I don't think that we would have had many like funny things to say about it. So I guess that's something positive to say is <laughs> like we're purposely trying to make as many jokes as possible, and like sometimes we'll hit a movie that's like a good like three star, and we're just like, okay, well that's that. <laughs> Sure. I mean, that's the highest praise I guess you can give a film that you can't make fun of it, I guess. Um, moving on to the final film. Paul, this is yours. Hotel Poseidon. Can you make fun of this one? Is it good? Like, wh What are your thoughts on Hotel Poseidon? Um, so I was telling you guys before the podcast that I really think that um, the director of this is a huge fan of Jean-Pierre Genouette. 
I think I looked up his, uh, how to pronounce it correctly. Uh, director of Amelie, director of uh, Delicatessen, director of uh, City of the Lost Children. Um, and also I want to say the fourth Aliens movie. Um, but it definitely has just that strong feeling of, it's basically, here's some weird shit, try to figure out some meaning from it. Um, and for the first 30 minutes or so, I was like, this isn't really working for me. Then there is one sequence that I was like, oh yeah, this movie's about to be so my shit and immediately never happens again. Um, but there's one sequence with the funeral director who it was the dialogue was right and weird and creepy and the performances were correct. Honestly, I don't want to blame it as much on the director. I mean, I know you can blame performances on directors, but I felt like the performances weren't hitting the right notes, um, which is why that one scene I think worked really well because that similar dialogue um, was throughout the film, but everyone was hitting it uh, a little too flat. There's something that has to hit perfectly. Um, not to reference my favorite show right now, but The White Lotus, I think many of the same lines with different cast members would be horrific. But I think that the cast knows what they're trying to do. And I think in this one, they're really struggling to uh, do some of the lines. There's a, um, the lead actress specifically who shows up a couple times, um, really just was not hitting it right. And I don't think she's a bad actress. I think she was doing a good performance, but not for this particular movie, which is all about being like, uncomfortable in a way that's also pleasant um which is what uh genoet's uh movies always do like amelie is uncomfortable most of the time but it's like you know really fun and interesting um and it was it was a little disappointing for me because i think that <laughs> to be fair if he ends up doing an amazing film people will go back and watch this and be like hey it's pretty good it was his first one you know he was just figuring out what he does so we'll see. I feel like it's a very like first film though. What'd you guys think? Um, I honestly have nothing to say about it. And it's not even like the movie's fault. I think I've just like hit that point in like Fantasia when I'm just like, I've watched so much stuff that I'm just tired and I just like did not pay attention to it at all. So if I have time before it expires, I might like try it again, but I just could not get into it. Like this morning, it was not happening. Yeah, I'm feeling the same about Fantasia, like in general this year, not to shut on the festival at all, but like, I feel like I've not been into it, just peace and love with the festival. But like, um, this one in particular, it just felt very much so like awkward, horror, white noise. Like, it's clearly just trying to be like this really uncomfortable comedy that's really like off putting, but like, there is so little to it. There's so little that's like actually fun. Like, yes, the makeup works for what it's trying to be. The production design works for what it's trying to be. But, like, there's just nothing here for you to latch on to, which, like, other than the funeral scene or the funeral director scene, which, like, is great. And there's something there with the mixture of dialogue, performance, and delivery that, like, yeah, you really can latch on to something there. The rest of it just feels very, like, just unrewarding, unnoticeable. It's, like, a fine vibe, but there's just nothing here that, like, impresses me. And especially in a film festival where, like, I think this might be my 10th film, let's say. Like there's 10 other features I've watched before 
there's probably going to be plenty more I watch after. You need to have something that stands out. And this film just doesn't. It doesn't have anything that stands out truly beyond just like a very basic level of accomplishments when it comes to vibes. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm a little more positive than you guys on it, I guess. But like, I am, uh, you know, I showed you guys a cook, thief, wife, lover, things like that. Um, I always like films that have like, uh, you know, not to repeat you, Carson, but a vibe, like a very strong, like feeling towards them in this weird world that um, I feel like says something about, you know, uh, yourself and all this stuff. But in this one, I just wasn't getting that as much. Um, I think to your point, Alina, I may try it again. Um, I have, I will be 100% honest. I have watched the scene with the funeral director about six times. I think it was fantastic. Um, there's something about how the dialogue works. The moment, uh, there's a moment where the funeral director is sitting there and all of a sudden her assistant like reveals himself behind her and all they use to do it is like the sounds of his leather jacket moving. And it is so weird and creepy. And, you know, they both have huge smiles. Um, what Carson was talking about with the makeup, uh, since you haven't seen this yet, is everyone's wearing like full on, um, very 1920s, like inspired white makeup, like, and uh, all bright red lips. It's very creepy, very clownish. Um, but it never gives off a like um, uncomfortable vibe in terms of like uh, you know an actual clown. You're never. Uh, but that stuff was so cool, and I feel like if you spend a little bit more time on like screen store, like basically just the story, even the screenplay, I think works. Each scene, I was like, yeah, that's clever. Um, I liked they introduced this girl that our lead character apparently stalked and she's just as creepy as the rest of them, but she does a couple really fun, weird lines. And she's like interacting with her two best friends as like one cohesive, like Hydra almost character. Um, really enjoyed all that. It just feels like they didn't know where the story was going to where it got to the final scene. And I was like, Oh, we're at the final scene, huh? Like you could kind of tell it was, but uh, it didn't. I didn't feel like I'd gone on a journey with the character. I felt like it was just a weird, a couple weird scenes, uh, similar to almost like a Monty Python-ish. Like, here's some weird shit. Does this work? <laughs> and sometimes it did, and sometimes it didn't. But um, as a first film, I'm going to uh, say mixed positive versus like mixed negative, just because I want to see what else he does because I think he could, with a little work, make some really cool stuff. Sure. I definitely could see that from him. Um, so that's going to conclude our Fantasia Week 1 coverage. I will say this week was more blind. Like, we really did kind of pick random ones. We've now seen multiple films, so I think in the coming weeks, it should be hopefully more positive. We'll see what happens, though. Um, so if you want more of this, obviously, tune in for the next three weeks after this, and we'll have, what is that, like, 12, uh, three, six, nine. We'll have nine more Fantasia reviews. Um, though I do want to quickly mention the two shorts that you guys made me watch um, Progressive Touch. And what was the other one? Fruit, I think Fruit. it was called. Um, 
some very interesting shorts from Fantasia, I guess is all I want to say. Very provocative. um, Actually, this is a fun aside. Fantasia is very horny this year. It is. Like every, almost every movie I've watched has had like some element of horniness in it. And I'm just like, did you, I hope the festival people listen to this. Have you guys like gotten late over quarantine? I would really like to know because it doesn't feel like they have. Yeah, because most of these movies were shot pre-quarantine, <laughs> uh, which is so weird mm-hmm. when you think about it. It's like, there's it's like a- they were definitely doing the selecting in quarantine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I've been watching. It's really interesting to me because um, I had no clue what I was getting in for with Fantasia because it's my first year. And I feel like half the movies are very very horny and half the movies are like so violent it's like hard to look at um it just feels like uh it's such a weird thing um my friends keep going like oh what movies should I watch I'm like with caveats here's a couple that I think are fun if you want to go pay the ticket price um oh side note I cannot figure out how to get a ticket for anything I've been trying for the past like three days to buy tickets for things they were very hard to buy everything says not available and i know those movies aren't sold out so it's maybe it's like only uh, canada based i don't know but i was really excited uh there's a movie we'll talk about next week and i think might be my recommendation we'll see um that i've been wanting to just buy to have friends watch and uh i just can't (laughs) it's very frustrating yeah well so we'll talk about that later than that film. Um, and let's continue to see if Fantasia continues to be this horny. I will say I'm very interested. Is this going to be a trend we see in cinema moving forward? Because like, it's very clear that after lockdown, people are out there. They're horny. They're ready to get laid. Or if they can't, watching people get laid on the big screen. So I think we might see this in the next year when it comes to non-festival releases also. Um, but let's transition over to our final review, our final segment of the evening um the uh, the suicide squad james gunn's the suicide squad finally released um on hbo max and in theaters uh the soft reboot of the 2016 film that was not well received um by most people paul why don't you start us off with the suicide squad um did you care for this one did you like this one what are your thoughts (sighs) okay so I have a thing where I think I just mentioned with Stranger Things, but if a movie starts with something that just seems unnecessarily cruel and to a, a thing or animal that uh, isn't deserving, I'm just like put off. And the opening scene of this is a like animal cruelty scene, um, which just feels very James Gunn just to like be an asshole a lot of times, which is why it's so funny that people say that he's a comedic person. I feel like this movie is very sad, honestly. Like you step back from the pretty visuals, um, which actually I didn't particularly find them that pretty outside of the Harley Quinn escape scene. Um, The majority of this movie is very just sad. Uh, It's, you know, uh, this like kind of, he tries to do this thing where it's like an attack on like American uh, imperialism or something. Um, but it feels very mixed messagey because it's James Gunn. 
And I just like, I didn't dislike it, but I felt gross watching it. I felt like I should take a shower. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, it just, there's so many things in this that I go, I was mean. That, and that's consistent with James Gunn in general. I have always felt with his movies outside of the Guardians movies, which feel very forced by Feige, um, that he has a meanness to him that is like uncomfortable to me. Um, and I don't mind mean movies, but I do mind when they're mean to innocent people, which I feel like he loves to do. What are you, what were your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I was not a huge fan of the Suicide Squad. I feel like it's worth saying that I also don't like the Guardians films. Specifically, number one, I do not like. Number two, I think is better, but I still don't love it. It's still not like top tier Marvel. But I feel like the Suicide Squad really like weirdly captures everything I feel about the DCEU up to this point that this is part of. The tone is completely inconsistent. Every scene feels like it just takes on these weird random styles. Uh, the Harley Quinn escape feels like nothing else in most of the film. Uh, you'll just have like this really gritty action scene and then it'll become comedy. And then you have like King Shark running around an aquarium. That's sweet. But then like it changes. Like it just, it's very inconsistent. Just like every film in the DCEU is very inconsistent. Like this is the same universe supposedly as like Man of Steel. Batman v Superman like it doesn't it's not gelling together um the humor is very mixed there's some jokes that are really good in here like there's a few lines that really got me the majority of them did not however uh the plot was bland didn't care about the plot the visuals are shockingly bad I'm not even talking about like really the CGI but like the color grading in this I thought was abysmal I thought this like looked terrible as with most of the DCEU um, with the only true standouts of the DCU and this film being Harley Quinn and King Shark. Anything with them, great. The Harley Quinn escape was fun visually. Um, I think that character is really fun. Uh, any sort of like depth the film had, I thought worked best when it was with her. And King Shark is now my favorite person in the DCU out there. He is hilarious. He is funny. He is sweet. Um, he had my heart and the entire film. I was literally like getting stressed. Like, are they going to kill him? Are they going to kill him? Oh my God, please don't kill my boy. Please don't kill my boy. Um, I won't spoil if he does or not. But that, I mean, it's just, it, this film was perfectly capturing my thoughts on the DCU, DCEU. It's not like the worst thing in the world, but it's not good. It's not fun. Um, it's not good. <laughs> I liked it. I had fun. Like you guys are so boring. It was really fun. Do you guys didn't see this in theaters, did you? No. Yeah. So I went and saw it with my dad yesterday, and you guys had watched it before me. So like I had gone in with low expectations because both of you didn't like it, but I just had a really good time with it. It was really fun to me. Um, I agree that it definitely feels like really inconsistent, but like not in a bad way. It just felt more like, like a roller coaster or you're kind of just getting like slammed around between things. Um, I liked the like mean gritty action stuff. I thought all the action scenes were like really fun. Um, and I also liked the comedy bits. I thought John, I know I'm like a John Cena, like whore, but like, I actually thought John Cena was fucking great in this. He's so funny. Like my dad hates John Cena. And that's because my sister, my little sister and I used to be really into professional wrestling. And he thinks it's the most like white trash thing ever. So he just like, doesn't like John Cena because he's like professional wrestling stupid. Um, but like my dad, this like, 50 year old man was fucking laughing along to like every single thing John Cena said. Um, 
to the point where after the movie, he was like, I kind of like John Cena now. And I was like, thank you, James Gunn. God, like I've been trying to get this man like on the John Cena train for years. Um, yeah, John Cena was my favorite character in it. Um, God bless James Gunn for putting him in some white tidy whiteies where he got like full outline of like dick and balls. Amazing. Um, I thought Idris Elba was great in it as Bloodsport. I thought he was like a really good like leader for the team. Um, Harley Quinn is great. I wish there was more Harley Quinn. Um, the other character that really stood out to me was like Ratcatcher too. And I didn't think she would, but she was like a really endearing character and her superpower was like honestly kind of dumb, but her like little rat Sebastian was so fucking cute. And like her backstory and her dad is fucking Taika Waititi. It was like, this movie just feels like it was made for me. Like, I don't think it's a perfect movie. I definitely had issues with it. The stupid giant starfish, dumb as hell. Like, I don't know if I necessarily liked the plot itself. Um especially as like a history major who has studied like imperialism it just felt really icky to me to like put this in like a fictionalized like latin american country about like american foreign policy and then like i felt like they handled that in like a really wrong way but like i don't know i just had a really good time with it it was really fun and like i feel like you have to see this in theaters that this really like loud and fun like my fucking seats were vibrating and they were not the vibrating seats it was fun you just brought your vibrator <laughs> no, I mean John. John Cena just shows up, and you're just like, "Dad, don't look. Uh, <laughs> look at that wash hair." <laughs> uh, God bless you know, him. I mean, I guess uh, there's something about James Gunn in particular that I have not liked since I saw the movie he wrote before he got famous, which was Melko Experiment. Um, and that was the moment that I was really like, "Oof." I don't, I don't feel right with this man. Um, I feel like he just, there's something that he like, likes about torture and things um, that I think is really interesting that we haven't like discussed with him as a like director in the same way we discussed Tarantino's feet. Um, and when I was sitting there watching the uh, Harley Quinn torture scene really just like hit my stomach weird because I was like, I think he enjoys shooting this. Like, I felt a loving respect for torturing this woman. <laughs> James like, Gunn is a kinky man for sure. Yeah. And it was like sitting there and like watching it. It was like, mm, nope, she's not acting like Harley Quinn, which the Harley Quinn joke would be that they were trying to torture her and she's having the best time of her life. That's Harley Quinn. This was like weirdly not her and also weirdly sexual. Um, I really wrote, I wrote one of my friends and I was like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this particular scene. Um, but yeah, to your point, like there was a lot of things I liked. Uh, I do like weasel and things like that. Um, I don't agree with the guy on Twitter, but I did think it was funny that like they use calendar man who is like kind of like a well-known Batman villain and they like make him into like an off random joke and then also cast it as fucking Sean Gunn. Um, but I do like calendar man. So that's, that's my one thing. I was like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, no, <sighs> okay, fine. <laughs> like another thing he, he feels like a real, like love of making people upset. Uh, example, like, uh, it's not even really that much of a spoiler introducing weasel and creating a character that people are obviously going to like, and then drowning him. 
Uh, I also thought it was funny. He did this whole thing where he's like, King Shark will not be my uh, baby Groot. Like, don't worry. I'm not going to have a baby Groot in this one. Here's this adorable rat, Sebastian, who does all the same things that baby Groot's going to do. But, you know, I told you that it wasn't the same because of King Shark. So don't think about how I keep playing that same card again. And actually, it was very upset about Pete Davidson's character going so uh, early. That was, I laughed I was, so hard because everyone before the movie came out was like, oh, he's probably going to die immediately knowing him. I laughed so hard. Uh, I knew yeah. it was going to happen, but I was still disappointed. I wish he'd gotten a bigger actor for one of those deaths um, because once Pete Davidson died, I was like, oh, everyone's dying, huh? Um, like it was definitely going to be Rick Flagg and uh, Harley Quinn who survived to the end. Um, everyone else is just mm -hmm. like, an expendable hilariously enough um uh, which i do feel like is fine but once you got through those characters no one else really died for a while and i felt like that was a little weird like i would have liked consistent i would have saved a couple of them and killed them off at random intervals throughout the first two acts um to really just like keep you on your toes because once it got past that opening scene I was like, these are our heroes. They will be around till the end of the movie. And they were. Um, you know, even, even the big surprise death towards the end is so telegraphed that, like, I usually jump at that stuff. And I was like, yeah, okay. I do get the humor and stuff, but it also feels a little Rick and Morty to me. Um, and I feel like that libro humor of, like, we're doing the same jokes that, like, you know, the very conservative trolls are doing but we're liberal because we said a couple lines here and there it doesn't make us the same feels very weird to me because it's a thing that's becoming very popular right now um and feels very uh joe rogan <laughs> um where it's like we're not the same as them we're just doing all the same stuff as them I don't know if Joe Rogan's claiming that anymore. I think he's pretty much gone down the rabbit hole. I think the bigger I, issue is just like less everyone. Than a year, Go ahead. I was going to say less than a year ago, he was uh, endorsing Bernie. <laughs> okay. It's a big change in a year, but. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I think just the issue is like, we've seen this type of humor, like this comedy specifically in the suit, the comic book genre just like played out so much. We've had two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I think Thor Ragnarok, you could argue, kind of does the same thing. Like, we've just seen it so many times. And, like, we have another Guardians film coming out. And, like, it just it gets so stale, specifically, I think, with James Gunn, specifically with the Guardians films. Like, I feel like we get it. It's time for another evolution. That's why Guardians was such a big deal was because it felt fresh. It felt like, oh, this is something new for the superhero genre. Oh, I get it. It's fun. It's different. And it's just now it's no longer fresh or different. I mean, we're almost a decade after guardians of the galaxy one came out like if we've been doing this for a decade it's just no longer that like interesting or rewarding it just kind of feels like it's going through the motions which is how i feel about the film overall is i feel like this one's just going through the motions you know peace and love to anyone who liked it i'm not going to take that away from you i like wonder woman 1984 you know but like i just don't think this one was good well yeah it's interesting um because currently i think i have Birds of Prey rated lower than this. But when I think about like uh like memories, I think I liked Birds of Prey more. 
<laughs> that's a really hard thing for me to say because I saw Birds of Prey back to back within minutes of each other. Um, I lied to my two friends and they couldn't see it at the same time. So it's like, oh, I canceled with the other person and I just went back to back, literally like walked out of the theater, ran into my other friend, went with him. Um, and so I like didn't like it the first time and really didn't like it the second. But uh, I think I would rather do that with birds of prey than do it with this i felt like at least there were some fun moments with harley in um oh actually uh, side note there is a joke about this character named milton which is like the funniest part of the movie and it was the first joke that i was like yep this doesn't even feel like a james gunn joke that like i feel like other people think is funny but i don't this feels like a legitimately just good joke um it's basically that a character has been there the whole movie and you've never seen them before. And I really remember looking at, I was like, Oh, is that the, who is that? <laughs> uh, and I, it's really funny. And I would remember it, Milton. I would remember yeah. Milton for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Harley doing the callback, which you can use that, those callbacks as like, this is good humor. And then you can use uh, the mom joke with uh polka dot man which i felt like um really got stale quick the yeah first time they did it the second time they did it the like fourth time they did it i was like please stop talking about your mother um the only part i liked was when they did the cutaway and it was um the entire suicide squad as the same woman um but they didn't even keep that joke going when they showed her as Starro because she should have looked like a star. Um, instead, it was just his mom because James Gunn's a hack uh, <laughs> and doesn't have consistency with his own jokes. But um, yeah, I did like that they brought in secondary characters. I don't like that it feels like this thing where people were praising him for choosing secondary characters, but then he callously kills them off and makes a joke out of it to where you're like what didn't he just like choose out of a dictionary which is what he said he did uh you know in the interviews he'll say like i chose the lamest characters and wanted to do them so he could kill them in brutal ways um and mainly i'm just mad about boomer well speaking <laughs> of not being yeah. consistent i think one of the biggest issues in this film that really bothered me to begin with was how this fits into the cinematic universe which i know like yes you can look at the film as being its own thing but after birds of prey it was like why the fuck is harley here like what's going on with the whole like birds of prey that's just not mentioned it's just not a thing seemingly i i and it was 100%. like what is happening <laughs> I 100% assume this is a prequel. No, it's not. It's she's not with Mr. J. She's specifically after dealing with her life as a single woman outside after her relationship right, with Joker. Right, but they even say within uh, Birds of Prey that she was broken up with him for a little while and got back together. I know that wasn't the plan, but it also kind of based on the new James Gunn uh, article where he says he didn't know that that movie was even coming out and he wrote the script directly basing it off of Suicide Squad. It's like, okay, then this is probably... So if you were going to start creating the DCEU like, timeline, this is probably like... <laughs> sure. This is after Suicide Squad, before Birds of Prey and Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League. 
I mean, it's like not that that really hurts the film itself. Like, it just maintains my belief that the DCEU is the worst built cinematic universe that ever like existed the, that actually got made because it's been the, fucking terrible. <laughs> the problem is the DCEU didn't stick, and it continues to not. And I'm really worried about how this box office will affect this moving forward. Is they see one bad box office and they're like terrified when the mcu i think had a couple that were like failures and they just kept going i mean they're still doing a third ant-man and ant-mans have never done well they're just like not well and then they're putting one of their biggest villains to you know introduce that one well they care they've obviously made adjustments like with the thor character but like they kept on the same path to your credits yeah um it's also interesting, uh, the Taika Waititi stuff, um, because you read that he was supposed to be a bigger character, and I've been trying to figure out who he could be. <laughs> uh, the only thing I can figure is he was originally supposed to be Rat Catcher, and then there was no daughter. That's the only thing I can think. Is um, And then they just kept him as the same character. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Saying all of this, I do think I would watch a sequel, like, proudly. I am excited about uh, Peacemaker, although I don't love that uh, James Gunn continues his nepotism. Not to bring up Destry Spielberg again, but it is very funny that we talk about nepotism constantly, and then there's, like, James Gunn, who I think is the worst, and that he raises the voices of his family members and people he's fucking and we're like yes go james gunn but anyone else no (laughs) like all of his family members have like made movies now it's like they're not based on their talent all those movies tanked it's purely just because he you know is their brother or boyfriend or cousin um that's my rant his 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 terrible actress wife does not need her own show to be co-starred with John Cena. <laughs> well, anyway, I liked it. I think John Cena's career is thriving. I feel like with this Peacemaker show, he's going to be um, an even bigger star than he already is because he's just been very much sticking to, you know, like secondary roles. And I feel like the man has star power. And also the part in the Suicide Squad when like Harley Quinn is fucking the like um, dude who staged like the coup in this like fictionalized Latin American country. And then she just fucking like kills him out of nowhere and says that the next time I got a boyfriend, I would be on the lookout for red flag if I saw them. This is like not the exact line, but she fucking and like so good i laughed fucking hard during that scene because like good for her it was so funny it was deeply relatable like i i enjoyed harley quinn's character in this movie like i don't really know anything about her other than the dceu so i guess i can see like what you mean by she wasn't herself but i don't know i had fun with it i feel like as an average moviegoer it's fun yeah, I feel like, um, you know, I've been a huge fan of Harley Quinn since the Batman animated series. Um, so it's like, I'm very protective of that character. Like, <laughs> I even just like 
I'm begging to see her in her original costume for one scene. That's all I want in my life. Um, they did it in a flashback for like half a second, but like I just want to see it. Um, even though it'll look dumb, I don't care. Uh, and that's kind of like, but like her vibe has been very like strong and what these movies are aren't really that character and it's kind of like frustrating to me as like a long-term fan who i don't feel protective of her in the same way like i know a lot of people do about like a star wars movies or anything like that but it does feel like um margot robbie's so close to being the perfect one it's just like a couple little changes from the script and she'll be like ace so it's always just very frustrating to me it's like so close it's annoying yeah i mean if there's anything i will say at least like it's clear margot robbie truly does care about the character like there truly is that passion to not just get her right but also like evolve her in ways which i think helps her be the best part of these films and this franchise overall in this you know universe so i'm very supportive of that and i hope they continue the issue though is like this is now two times in a row she's failed at the box office so like that's iffy if they're going to continue that you know you don't traditionally keep going down the same well especially if you're dc so it'll be interesting to see well okay so uh you know to be the resident harley scholar um (laughs) harley without joker um especially to hardcore fans is like a hard thing to push um actually i'll take that back Hardcore fans are now all about Harley and Ivy, which I am so against for these movies. Do not put Harley in a stable relationship. Do not give her a, a girlfriend. Um, because that's one of the things that like kills Harley in the comics is all she does is become like, uh, you know, simp the entire time. Um, and it's very frustrating. Uh, but you do need her to be in a relationship uh, and I think that you just need the Joker, whether or not you recast Leto, whether or not you bring him back. She needs that thing where she's trying to decide. She uh, Ultimately, the Harley Quinn personality is supposed to be, I want to be a good person, but I'm in love with bad people. And I will continue to do bad things for those bad people. But I would, in a perfect world, be good. And um, I feel like it's just trying to pull a character away from secondary characters that are important batman and uh batman robin and all those and also the joker um and i feel like it's you know not to say like release the air cut but i would like to see like (laughs) what they were planning to do with her originally just to see like for morbid curiosity it doesn't feel the same to me as um something like the snyder cut which i think will be like oh my gosh this was so much better i think it'll just be like oh that's what you're planning to do with her because I've seen some of it and it does look like more closer to who Harley Quinn is. Should be. I don't know. (laughs) Cool. Well, that's going to wrap up our reviews. Actually, all of our reviews for this episode. Let's quickly go into our Clappercast film spotlight. I think I'm the only one to see this one. Circus of Books from 2019, a Netflix documentary about a gay porn uh, shop in Los Angeles um, and specifically how that has changed throughout the years. But it finds a really deep and interesting meditation on like how humanity, how queer culture has changed throughout the decades. Um, that was really poignant, obviously as someone who is gay, but wasn't necessarily around in like the 80s, right? Like 
I think this was a very eye-opening and very just interesting kind of meditation on all that's also just extremely charming. It's this straight Jewish couple that just runs this gay porn shop, but they themselves also are like not necessarily the most weirdly like accepting people. And especially as their family, multiple of them come out as queer, like they have to accept it. There's like a lot to this documentary. And I think it was swept really, really under the rug, which is unfortunate because it's on Netflix. Um, and I think it deserves to be seen. So I really enjoyed this one, at least. Um, let's go into our recommendations for the episode. Paul, why don't you lay it on us first? What is your recommendation today? Okay, let me see if there's anything that's not from the festival, but I think I have to go festival. Yep, okay. Um, oh, no, I don't. I'll save that for when we talk about it. Um, I did watch this, the festival, but it's called Tombs of the Blind Dead. It's a movie from 1972. It's a um, like Spanish language horror film. Um, not good, but that kind of like pulpy drive-in that sometimes you just want to watch. It's a little boring. It's a little like weird. There's a lesbian uh like subplot that goes nowhere and is only for titillation um it's one of those films that you're just like yeah this is very like what i imagine like you know you take your date and you're like what are we gonna watch but uh basically the plot is this um lesbian couple who broke up take this boy who's flirting with both of them to this random village where blind satanic inspired by egyptian templar zombies rise from the ground and start killing people and it's not particularly amazing but there's something about it that's just like a really pulpy fun and i'm really surprised we haven't seen a remake of it actually because it's it's just dumb fun um i really enjoyed it um it was a pleasant surprise for me good to hear alina what's your recommendation this week so I've only watched Fantasia stuff for movies. So I'm going to take one out of Paul's book and recommend a YouTube channel. Um, I started watching this um, person called Nick DeRamio or DeRamio or something. And he does these like really funny like film analyses um, of like stuff that is extremely nostalgic to me. And they're like minute to like an hour long videos. And he just did like, a bunch of the Amanda Bynes ones, like She's the Man and Sydney White. And I just watched his video this morning on the Princess Diaries too. And this kid just has the like funniest fucking one-liners that I'm like laughing throughout the entirety of their videos. So if you like enjoy um, like film criticism and like the comedic sense, it's really fun to watch. He, he's also done um, a lot of the like DC, uh, Disney channel, original movies, the DCOMs. I'm like, it's, it's great. His, his, their YouTube channel is amazing. Cool. And I have two this week. The first is a film on Netflix, Pray Away, um, another gay Netflix documentary about specifically the Pray the Gay Away movement. I saw this one back at South by Southwest, I think. Um, and it was really, really good, really touching, really emotional, um, highly would recommend. But the other one, I'm not original. I'm not the first one to get to this. Paul has been championing the White Lotus for weeks on this podcast um, to the point where I finally was like, I'm going to watch episode one. 
And all of yesterday, I basically spent watching all of the White Lotus. This is fucking great. It is so funny. It is such a great mixture of like parody with just some really great performances. Um, everyone here really feels like a treasure. The characters are all great. Um, it's just a bunch of rich people who go to this resort and just like kind of have to deal with their drama. Um, but it's really, it really works for me. I think the fact that it's six episodes also is really going to help. So it doesn't feel like it's too drawn out. It feels like it can be more focused. Um, yeah, I, I love this show. Um, and I'm happy Paul continued to just talk about this one for weeks because it genuinely was worthwhile. Um, and I'm excited to watch the final two episodes. Um, so with that, let's go around and say our social media handles. Where can everyone find us online? Paul, start us off. Uh, I'm at price like tag on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow me on Letterboxd because I'm getting close to Carson. <laughs> close, sure. I guess different meanings for everyone on what that means. Alina, what's your social media presence? I am at Alina Falds everywhere. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And also you should buy tickets for to the uh Women X Film Festival by Rian Pictures. Nice. And you can find me on Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews, Letterbox Carson Tamar. Make sure to like, subscribe, look out for new episodes every single Wednesday. We'll be back next week with some more major reviews um, and more coverage of the Fantasia Film Festival. I'll see you all then. Goodbye. <laughs>